Well, Chase Oaks, we are so glad that you are here this weekend. We are indeed in a series called No Offense, None Taken. And in this series, what we all realize, whether uh, you're a Christian or not, whether you're a church person or not, is that each and every one of us is going to encounter offensive people. I've learned that offensive people are absolutely unavoidable. And the reason for that is, and we talked about this last week, is that uh, we are all somebody else's offensive person. (laughs) You're offensive, I'm offensive, we're all offensive. And so I think this series uh, can add so much value to your life. If you missed either one of the first couple of messages in this series, I encourage you to go back and check those out. Jeff, he actually talked about uh, kind of a filtration system that I think we all can use, especially when somebody says something or does something that can can really offend us. And, and he broke it down in stages. Stage one was, uh, was, was this filter of asking this question, am I believing the best? Am I giving somebody else the benefit of the doubt? Because, well, let's just be honest. It's the thing that we hope someone else is doing for us when we offend somebody else. And so I think it's, it's good for us to, to pause and go whenever we're offended to go, am I really believing the best? What, what's the most generous assumption I could be making about this other person? The, the, the second filter that he said, hey, if it gets past that, then you start asking this question, which is, am I being self-seeking? Am I making this situation about myself, and that, that can be very, very helpful in diffusing sometimes where we're, we're, we're offended. And, and then the, the, the third filter, the third stage that I love is just, can I, let, can I just let this go? Is this one of those things that I can really just move on from? And I, I think that that's, that's awesome when, when we can do that. But what I've learned is, it's not always easy. Sometimes you just, you can't let go. Sometimes people have done things, said things that you don't even actually want to move on. I just, I've seen so many people just kind of want to hold on to their, to their hurt. I was, I was at the airport the other day and this uh, poor guy, he was, he was in a wheelchair and he was left in the wheelchair for about an hour. He was hungry and he let the airline know about it. He was hot. I mean, he was super mad. He was like, and I'm so hungry. He left me in this chair for an hour. And I was like, I don't know how they're going to handle it. And this agent walks out and she says, sir, I am so sorry. Can I personally go buy you dinner? I would love to just, just buy a meal for you all on me. He was like, I'm just mad. I went, sir, are you hungry or are you mad? Like, you got to pick one. You can't be both, you know? But isn't that true? Like, some of us just, we just want to be, want to be mad. In fact, I think oftentimes when it gets past the filters, when we, when it gets past this idea of going, well, I, I've given them the benefit of the doubt, and it gets past this, well, did, did I have a larger perspective and realize it's not all about me, and, and then it, I, I just can't let this go. Sometimes, no, they, they, they say or do things that are just, well, it leaves a mark, it hurts. And it's, you know, you can't just let it go. A breakup, a divorce, getting ghosted after a first date, after they made some promises. Perhaps finding yourself in a, in a situation where you're getting fired, getting cheated on, getting set up, 
perhaps experiencing sexism or, or racism. Maybe you've found yourself in a, in a situation where you've had to, unfortunately, endure some abuse. Uh, maybe you've, you've gone through a horrible time with health care, malpractice from a medical professional. I was sitting with somebody the other day, and then I was, I, it, just, it just absolutely broke my heart. Tears in their eyes. They were telling me about how they had just lost um, their nephew, who was a baby boy. And this is what they said with tears streaming down their face. They said, what bothers me the most is that it wouldn't have happened if everybody just did their job. And I just don't know if I'm ever going to be able to let it go. And I thought, yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah, there's no magic pill in that moment. There's no... Well, if you just listen to our three-week series, it'll be great. No, there, there's just some things that collections of talks don't make go away. Sometimes I think of a friend lying to you can really sting you, especially when they don't know that you know that they lied. I, I, I read this on Twitter once, and it just really resonated with me. I don't even know, and I, and I would just love to say it and then take credit for it, but that would be wrong, and so I just, just know it was on Twitter and somebody else awesome said it. Okay, just go with me for a little bit. This is what the line said. It said, I'm not mad that you lied. I'm mad that I can't trust you anymore. And I thought, that's it. It changed the relationship forever. I'm not saying we can't be friends, but I, I'm upset I can't trust you anymore. Have you ever used the phrase, between you and me? And then, not too long after that, you realize it did not stay between you and me. You can just find yourself in this place where you're holding on to some things. And you don't want to, to let them go. But, what I want to encourage you with this weekend is this. When we don't bring our pain to God, we often end up creating some for other people. My biggest concern with not dealing with offense properly is not what is going to happen with the person that offended us. What I'm concerned about is what's happening to our soul when we don't have things right with God. And so we find ourselves so mad at what they did that we actually end up becoming a person we didn't actually want to be. And so something could be happening in your career and then you start taking it out on the people that you're in a relationship with and all of a sudden stuff at work starts leaking into your marriage and you start going off on people that that had nothing to do with the crime or the original offense in the first place. Have you ever been having a conversation with somebody and they were mad and they should be mad, but then they took it to a level where you started to go, I don't even think you're mad at me. 
I don't even think you're talking to me no more. You went somewhere else. Are you okay? And what you did simply triggered them and they treated you like they were the person that originally committed the offense. When a dad walks out on a family, you know what that can do to that whole household? Is it can make them believe that everyone in their life has one foot out the door. And then you have all these other people. And I'm like, well, why, why don't you trust us? It's not that they don't trust you. It's just that they don't trust them. And I think we have an opportunity this weekend to go, wait, 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 wait just a second. If we could just isolate what one person did, what maybe two people did, and not make the whole world pay for it. I think that's the kind of person we'd all like to be. Because it would be a shame if we just had an experience with a man or woman and then said, you know what? All men, all women are in this category of people I can't trust. I, I, I can't tell you how many people just, just had an experience with a pastor. And it turned into, well, all pastors had an experience with one Christian, and the church is judging me. One person judged you, okay? The whole church don't even know your name. That's impossible, okay? But nevertheless, they can just have this thing with, I don't like Christians. How many Christians do you actually even know? But that's what happens to us. We turn into this other person all because we allow one offense to snowball into to something else and in, in, in my worry for us is that we could wake up one day and become people we were never meant to be just think of the return on investment of just one hurt one offense now we're a different person in our home different person at our job and we could find ourselves hurting other people and so today I'm not prescribing a magic pill that's going to make all of our offenses and hurts go away but today I do think we have an opportunity to make some decisions about where we're going to be in the future. And so today I want to outline three decisions that I think we all can make to walk in forgiveness. Does it mean everybody in our life is completely forgiven? No, but it does mean that we are walking in a direction of saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in forgiveness. And so the first decision that I want you to consider this weekend that I think we all should consider is... We'll decide on what kind of people we want to be. We have to make a decision about the kind of people we, we want to be. H- have you made a decision about who you want to be in the future? Because here's what, here's what is, is our natural inclination, and this is what I hear all the time. I'm going to just do me, and you do you, boo-boo. I am who I am. Deal with it. Okay, it's like, well, I, I can't speak for you. And again, it, whether, whether you're a Christian or not, I just want you to know, there are options. And some people don't think that they have any. I think you do. I actually think that you can make a decision to be a better person if you want to. I actually think that you can make a decision today for the rest of your life, at least saying out loud, I want to be a forgiving person. Just imagine that. Imagine if we started there. I didn't say that what they did was right. I didn't say, no, no, no. I'm just saying that each and every person here today can make a decision that says, I want to be a forgiving person. Because 
Let me just give you the alternative that nobody wants to be. But you might accidentally end up there if you're not intentional. Nobody says, you know who I want to be in the future? A bitter person. That's what I want to be. Yeah, like I would love to sign up for bitterness, please. Nobody says that. But it takes intentionality. And making a decision says, you know what? I may not be there today, but at least I want to be there in the future. I want to make a decision about the kind of person I want to be. I want to, I want to be a forgiving person. I, I love what Ephesians 4 verse 31 says. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander. I don't know anybody here that has to get rid of brawling. Okay, that would, that, that, that You might be taking it to another level and you're probably going to get arrested if you don't anyways. Nevertheless, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in christ god forgave you it's interesting here's the apostle paul painting a picture of the kind of person i think you and i can be uh, again I, and i'm not assuming that everybody here is a christian church person okay i i just want you to know if you aren't that there is a version of your life that you could make a decision to be this kind of person. Can you imagine if we were all the kind of people that just said, you know what? We want to be those kinds of people that at all costs get rid of all bitterness. And here's the deal. I know today's message is absolutely crazy. Okay? I already know that. But what about Christianity isn't crazy? We're talking about a man that came back to life, walked on water, turned water to wine. It's all crazy. So, yeah, I, I, yes, I do believe that there is a version of our life where, yes, you and I can make a decision to be the kind of people that says, you know what, we, at least we want to be the kind of person that gets rid of bitterness, that gets rid of rage, that gets rid of anger. Like, I don't want to be that person. And sometimes just saying that out loud is the catalyst for change. And then the Apostle Paul says, hey, I want you to walk in forgiveness. And I want you to forgive just as Christ forgave you. In other words, he's going, hey, I'm not selling forgiveness as a nice idea. Like, it would be nice if you did that. He's going, no, this is what you got that you did not deserve. So it, it's, it's not forgiving them because they deserve it. It's forgiving them because you did not deserve it jesus is not asking us to give something he has not already given us and so i i, I just I, I gotta ask you this question this weekend if not this person what kind of person do you want to be have you ever thought about that what kind of person do I want to be? I talk to people about their age. Well, man, at this point, man, my personality is pretty much baked in. Okay, we've been in the crock pot for a while. We're not changing. I get it. No, I, once again, I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but I, I, I really think you and I can be the kind of people that make a decision that says, you know what? I know I've been this way for a very, very long time. But maybe the person I'm the most upset with isn't even in my life anymore.
Yet I'm making the people that are in my life pay for it. What if my life could look different in the future? You want to know what else I find interesting about bitterness? It's not even living offended. But it's living pre-offended. Have you ever been pre-offended? I mean... You are offended before it even happened, okay? You got this person you work with, okay? You got a meeting with them on Thursday, but, but here you are this weekend and you already mad about what could happen on Thursday. I'm talking about you're getting a wedding invitation and you got mad as soon as you saw the invitation because you know who's going to be at the wedding. It's a friend slash frenemy and they're going to have something to say and you just automatically start having this conversation in your head about that. Have you ever been pre-offended with your in-laws? Like some of you are thinking about Christmas right now and you already mad, okay? It's springtime. You're like, I have just the very thought of it. I just can't, like, like, some we just pre-angry, pre-mad. You ever gotten pre-offended with your kids? You mad at your kids? They ain't even home from school yet. It's lunchtime. You're like, when they get home, it's going down. I mean, isn't that interesting how we can just go some places before we actually get to some places? Uh, the other day, my wife graciously says to me, you know, chaos in our house. We got an eight-year-old, three-year-old. You know, they don't understand what inside voices means we tried to explain to them inside voices and they just said this, this is just our volume at all times and that's fine and so my wife says to me she goes hey um can we talk about something in a couple of days i said in a couple of days what you mean in a couple of days and like i just got pre-offended okay i instantly started thinking of every crime i've ever committed in our marriage in the last 10 years and i started coming up with a defense for everything she could bring up you know what i mean and i'm just steaming around the house i'm like what do you mean in a couple of days in a couple of days like why can't we talk about it right now i'm offended that you think you can just schedule an appointment with me in a couple of days to bring up this thing and like i've just started going through it and i was like ryan what is going on? She hasn't even said anything, and yet here you are, pre-mad. Like, what's going on? And I just said, Ryan, there's two versions of you in this situation. One of you is a lawyer, and the other one's a pastor, okay? So, like, like why, don't you, why don't you just come in, like, easy, like, I'm like, hey, um, I know you said we could talk in a couple of days, but if there's anything, you know, you want to share now? You know, I'm trying to figure out what the court case is going to be about, you know what I'm saying? And come to find out, she's like, no, it's just, she goes, Ryan, it's just, it's just chaotic right now. And, and what she had to bring up, I'm telling you, it was so small. And in my mind, it was so big. I made something out of nothing. Do you know what that's called? Drama. <laughs> Making something out of nothing. And I just... I sit back and look at moments like that and just think, man, what kind, of, what kind of husband do you want to be? What kind of parent do you want to be? What kind of colleague do you want to be? What kind of boss do you want to be? Like, can you imagine if we were the kind of person that just said, man, I, I don't want to live offended. And I certainly don't want to live pre-offended. But ladies and gentlemen, get this. This is the craziest thing in Scripture. Did you know? Like, when you think about the idea of being pre-offended, did you know that you and I are pre-forgiven? Think about that. Like, it's one thing to get mad at somebody before they do something. But it's another thing to forgive them 
before they do something. That's absurd. But it's the kind of person you and I can decide to be. I love this quote by Philip Yancey. He says this. He says, God took a great risk by announcing forgiveness in advance. Think about that for a minute. He took the risk of going, hey, you're forgiven. Oh, I don't, well, wait, I'll wait till you do it and then I'll decide it because y'all are crazy and you never know what could happen. No, no, no. He took the risk. I'll shed my son's blood for what you're going to do. I love what Romans 8, Romans 5 verse 8 says. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think this is really good news for anybody. Just think about this. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That's really good news for anybody that has a lot of things in their life that they wish they could get back. That's really good news for people that have made a lot of mistakes that have a dirty history. But you want to know who it's even better news for? People that don't just have mistakes in their rearview mirror, but people that have mistakes in their future. Oh, it's, and you wonder why we call it good news. Just imagine if you and I were to copy and paste that into our relationships and in our lives that says, hey, you know what? You're pre-forgiven. And so because I've already made a decision about the kind of person I'm going to be, like somebody's going to say something offensive to me this week, I know it. But guess what? I have already made a decision about how I'm going to handle it. And I know it sounds crazy, but what about Christianity isn't? Yeah, I'm just, I just want to let you know, it's possible. There's the power of Jesus Christ. And I don't, and I, I can't tell you how many people in corporate America in the marketplace ask me about forgiveness and how to get over hurt. And I just have to tell them, like, ah, I wish I had a formula that didn't involve Jesus. But I can't think of one. You need him to pull this off. To be the kind of person that says, you know what? Hurts are coming my way. The reason why is because I'm on the planet and I'm probably going to hurt somebody before I go. And so will you. And in those moments, my prayer is that I'm forgiven. And more than that, I, my prayer this weekend is that we wouldn't wait for the moment to decide the kind of people that we want to be. Because if we wait to the moment, it's way too late. Because then we'll play judge and jury. Well, this was egregious. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. We've all been egregious at some point in our life. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm just letting you know we can make a decision about the kind of people that we want to be in the future. And I don't think we just have to decide the kind of people we want to be. I think we have to, secondly, decide whose code we're going to live by. Because you and I got a code. Families have codes in which they live by. Gangsters have codes in which they live by. Uh, friendship circles have codes in which they live by. In college, we called it bro code. There, it was just this code of things that, and it was, it was a, 
it, it was there, it wasn't a book anywhere that actually explained bro code, but we all lived by it and, and, and ruled by it. And you broke bro code, my bad. It's like like it was these inferred rules, but we all had these codes. But I just want to let you know, if if you're a Jesus follower, we got to go by the the Jesus code. And the Jesus code, especially when it comes to forgiveness, is a lot different than well our our code because if we live by our, our natural code, we'll just write people off like that. That'll be our natural inclination. But the Jesus code is is completely different. And and it's interesting. Uh, Peter was asking Jesus about his code one day, and, and it says this in Matthew 18. It says then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, now in Jesus' day, rabbis taught that the most times that someone should forgive a brother that sins against them is three times. Three strikes and you're out. Makes sense, right? Now, Peter knew that. Now he's coming to Jesus. He's going, Jesus ain't no regular rabbi. This is, this is a rabbi on another level. So... I'm going to go with, y'all, what, you, what do you think Jesus is? You know, if, we, if we're talking forgiveness, if most rabbis are three, Jesus at least got to be twice that plus one, seven, number of completion. I got this, y'all. Jesus, how many times do you think we should forgive someone that has sinned against us? What do you think? Seven times? Jesus going, um, the math we do is a lot bigger than that. Seventy times seven that's your code jesus do you know how much more <laughs> that is than three <laughs> like like that that's 487 times more than what anyone else has ever taught like that that's that's crazy <laughs> what is it about christianity again his code shows up in luke 17 it says then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, then he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent. You shall forgive him. With the Jesus code, we got seven times a day, 70 times seven, which means we'll be at 490 in just two and a half months. Now, if you and I are in the group of disciples and we hear this very tough message from Jesus, we would obviously ask, Jesus, Who's counting to 490? Like, who's, who, who's got an Excel spreadsheet on their spouse right now? You know what I mean? Like, count, this is the 463rd time you didn't mess with me, okay? By my count, we, we got about 27 more times before, before we, I call this quits, okay? Like, like, who's doing that kind of math? It's like, nobody is, like, you might be good at keeping a record of wrongs, but you're not that good. Like, who's counting? To which Jesus would say, Exactly. That's the point. Like eventually you would lose count. Which is kind of the point of what I want you to do. Stop counting. 
Just know it's a lot and you're not that good at math. This is this is the Jesus code and, and you just you gotta see how the disciples responded to Jesus. You got it, it is one of the most honest moments they have. And it says this, it says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. <laughs> the disciples are going, Okay, Jesus, you don't know my brother. <laughs> okay? Like like what what you just said is so hard. We're going to need a whole lot more faith to pull it off because this is crazy. And then Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea and it would obey you. It's interesting how Jesus connects faith to unforgiveness. Because I think unforgiveness produces this bitterness that makes you believe that somebody in your life offended you and it's like they stole something from you that you can't get back until you hold on to it. But the opposite of that is faith and it keeps you looking forward. It's like, yeah, you may have stole something from me, but I believe that God still has a future for me. So I'm able to do the thing that I thought was impossible. Move on. I can move on, not because you made it right, not because you apologized. Your apology ain't that powerful. But faith can move a mountain and can put me somewhere where I never thought I would be. So, yeah, I'm I'm actually going to let you off the hook. Not because what you did was right. But I realize I can't get wholeness from you anyways. So I'm going to go to God and get that because he can actually help me move forward. So I want you to know, if if there's somebody you're thinking about, if there's a hurt, if there's a pain, if there's an offense that you're considering tonight going, I just, Ryan, I don't know. 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 Just know that the disciples were in the same boat with you. (laughs) Going, you want me to what? Increase my faith. And that that may need to be our prayer tonight as well. Oh, the last decision that I think that you and I should make if we're going to attempt to walk in forgiveness is to decide who needs to be invited back to the table. I think one of the hardest parts about forgiveness is knowing how far to take it. Because sometimes we have to make the decision about, well, are we going to reconcile? Because some people you need to forgive from a distance. And so I think we should be generous with forgiveness and discerning with reconciliation. And... There's some people, you got to forgive from way over there. But then there's some people you have to forgive up close and personal. How do you know which is which? How do you know to, when to forgive them from way over there and right here? Prayer. Prayer, because I, I wish it was black and white. <laughs> it's not. I wish I could say, well, if they're related to you, that's one you do up and close. No, you might be related to somebody crazy, and, and you might actually need to keep some distance between them. Sometimes, I, I, think, it's, I think it's important for you to, to know that there could be somebody you haven't spoken to in 10 years. And I've seen God restore some relationships there. I, I've seen God reconcile irreconcilable relationships 
And I also know some people that have reconciled with people they shouldn't have. And so that's why I, I have to encourage you to be prayerful about this. You should be prayerful about who you invite back to the table. To say, Lord, I... And again, you may have already written someone off and go, Ryan, I need to do that from, from a distance. I may agree with you. But I would ask you to ask God first. Because God may want you to be close again. And that may be difficult. But if God's in it, it'll also be powerful. I think we see this really well in the life of David and Saul. If you don't know much about David and Saul... Um, Think Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Packers, Bears, Cowboys, the rest of the world. You get it, you know. Um, massive rivalry, and most of it is Saul trying to kill David over envy and, and jealousy. And, and at one point in the story, Saul actually dies in battle. And you would think, Poo, this, is, this is a great day for Saul to kind of gloat. All right, I won, my team won. And, and in fact, 2 Samuel 3 verse 1 says, The war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. David grew stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Then in 2 Samuel chapter 8, it literally just says David's victories. Like It's like they're rubbing it in. It's like his resume of just tons of victories. Like he's got it going on. Things are going really well. And then in 2 Samuel 9, it says, David asked... Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? For Jonathan's sake. Again, I'm, I'm still painting a picture of the kind of person we could be. Somebody that maybe is way over there. But I wonder if there's somebody over there that I could show kindness to. <laughs> Verse 6 says, When Mephibosheth... Don't you just love Bible words, saying them out loud? I like reading my Bible in silent, but when I have to read it in front of you, it's a little embarrassing. Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David. He bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth was the grandson of his arch rival. And during one of the wars, he ended up disabled. The woman taking care of him was running out of, the scripture tells this story, was running out of the house and she dropped him and he ended up disabled for the rest of his life. And David says, bring me, bring me somebody from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness. And he says, hey, I, I just want to let you know. Um, I know our families have been at odds for a very, very long time, but guess what? You will always eat at my table. Verse 8, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? He's immobilized from the waist down. In verse 11, it says, Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. And then the scripture says this. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Somebody that was an, uh, basically a peasant way over there. David says, why don't you come close? And I don't want you to just come 
and be a guest in my house. I want you to come and now you can eat like a king. And know this, you will always have a seat at my table. And not only that, he starts giving them land. Starts restoring his name. And here's why I think forgiveness can be very powerful. Not because of what it will just do for you, but how God might use that to, to help somebody else. Is there anybody in your life that you need to invite back to the table? Is there anybody in your life that you may need to give a seat at the table? And again, I, I, know, to, I know today's message sounds crazy. But I believe with all my heart that your life can be different if you want it to be. And I'm not saying that Monday morning, all of a sudden you're going to become this forgiving person in a weekend. But I do believe that Monday morning you can wake up and make a decision to say, I'm going to try and act more like Jesus today. And I want to be a person that's different in the future. And I want to walk in forgiveness. And let me tell you what's, what's going to happen. Somebody is going to test the Jesus in you. And in that moment, I just pray that you pass that test. A lot of this series has been uh, uh, stems from a, a book that I wrote about, about seven years ago. I wrote a book seven years ago, and, and it was responding to a lot of what was happening in our nation. And I just felt like, man, there was so much offense that we couldn't even really have conversations. And so I wrote a book called Unoffendable. And uh, I thought it was a book that was... Uh, needed for 2015 and 2016 and i thought oh things will get better and this book will be irrelevant uh things got worse and so the book actually got better. it's like oh it's more needed okay well i'm a little smarter now so i would rewrite the whole thing but nevertheless it's already printed and there's nothing i can do about it nevertheless um i believe this is a resource that can that can help you um it's on amazon it's one of the only places uh, that that you can you can get it online right now. And um, also there's a, a YouVersion uh, Bible app devotional. Um, if you are in a small group and you want to have some conversations around uh, walking through forgiveness and getting past some offenses, um, I think those are two resources that would uh, truly add value to your life. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that this is a weekend where we have some decisions to make. I think we've got to make a decision about the kind of people that we want to be. I think we've got to make a decision about the code we're going to live by. And then the thing we really need to pray about is if there's anybody in our life that we need to invite back to the table. God, I thank you so much for this amazing church. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the strength and the wisdom and the grace and mercy to have difficult relationships with offensive people. And there's no other options. That's what we got. And we're one of those people. God, would you help us walk in forgiveness this weekend? Would you help us to be extensions of your amazing grace to the world around us? I know it's hard. I know we've all got people in our life that have hurt us and said things and done things to that just can leave a mark. But God, we put a stake in the ground today. We make a decision that we want our future to be different. So would you help us do that? 
Would you help us truly walk in forgiveness? In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.